Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and I'm glad you could join us. We are in the middle of our message series that we're calling The Usual Suspects. As you dig into the Bible, you start to see the patterns of five fools emerging in the original Hebrew language that's in the Old Testament. And today we're looking at Drop the Ball Doug. This fool gets so focused on what they want that everything else just kind of starts to fade into the background. It reminds me of this scene in the movie A Bug's Life where a fly is flying towards the light and his friend is saying, don't look at the light. And he's saying, I can't help it, but look at the light. And he follows it until it zaps him and gets him. That is what this fool does. He can't stop going after what he wants. And we're all capable of doing this type of being this type of a fool because we have sad hearts. We've been looking at this each week. They're selfish. I want what I want is, is how we would say that. Our hearts are arrogant. I deserve what I want. Our hearts are damaging. I'm willing to hurt you to get what I want. We keep bringing up our sad hearts each week because this is a foundational truth for us to understand as we try to get traction and, and live in wisdom instead of folly. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. This folly of selfishness, arrogance, and damage we are born with it in our hearts. And when we acknowledge that to be true, we can start to deal with the specific foolishness that's going on in our hearts. I don't know about you, but I, I am, I can do a really good job of justifying my actions. And I can even start to believe and think, oh, I'm being noble in this situation rather than just calling it what it is and dealing with it in my heart. This week, I, I had just sat down on the couch, and my wife asked me if I could take out the trash. And very quickly, I started thinking, oh, I'm just so tired. I just want to sit down. And I started thinking, I've been working hard. You see how that works? I wanted to sit down, and I deserved it because I've been working hard. I was justifying in this selfish and arrogant way of what I wanted to happen in that situation. So for each fool that we are looking at, there's a folly that is driving the behavior of the fool. The first two fools that we looked at, the folly behind it was aveleth. It And this eveleth word is, is Hebrew, and it means selfishness. The kaseel, lazy Larry, he was committed to Eveleth by wanting a life of ease and looking for the easy life. And the Avil, the controlling Connie that we looked at last week, she's committed to getting what she wants, but she uses control and manipulation and provocation. She's so committed to getting her way, and she doesn't mind working hard to get it. Today we're looking at Drop the Ball, Doug. He is a sackle. It's K-A, or sorry, C-A-K-A-L, sackle. 
the sackle is related to the kasil, the easy way. And there, there's this avella folly of selfishness with the sackle, but there's actually a different folly behind the sackle. And it is this word sick luth or sekel. Both of those work. And what it is, is a blind desire. Sackles want what they want. And they want it so much. They want things that are fun or gratifying. And what happens is they end up blinding themselves to any consequences that are going on to pursue this thing that they want. So let's meet the fun way fool, the sackle. CIV uh, put together a sitcom episode in 2007 called The Station. And we were in that sitcom, we were... Each character was one of these five fools. And it was patterned off the show The Office. And it does a really good job of introducing this sackle fool. So take a look at it. A jar of honey from Mertz's Honey House right here in the city. Ooh, that's good honey. Greg is addicted to gambling. Is gambling a problem for me? Define problem. Have I lost money? Yeah. Have I won money? A couple of times. And it felt awesome, baby. <laughs> it's great. This fool is focused on desire. It's all about the fun way for this fool who is focused on the moment. Most often they ruin their lives because they're impulsive and irresponsible. Nothing? Just thought we'd share. <laughs> yeah, hit it, hit it, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, check it out. I get work done. People don't always see it. People don't always appreciate it. But there's a different drum out there, and I'm marching to the beat of it. The only reason Greg has a job at the station is that his father is a well-known broadcaster. Greg's father is one of the best sportscasters in state history. Now Greg works here. End of story. Many homeless people have this strategy and they must go without the basic necessities because their addictions are out of control. They cave into blind desire over and over again, and since they live in denial, they keep paying the price and the consequences of their choices. These fools are beaten up by life and consistently disappoint the people who love them and depend on them, although people learn not to count on them after a while. A dolphin possum. <laughs> Our culture and what... I just don't know why you don't take anything seriously. Oh, I'm dead serious. Does this look like I'm not serious? That, uh, that, that Candace. hurts. That hurts. They talk a big talk, but they don't walk it. If we could take a glimpse into Greg's personal life, we would find that he is teetering on the edge of bankruptcy and has a problem with drugs or alcohol. I bet 17 and a half to 1 that I will have the most ideas by 5 p.m. Hey, bet any money on the game this weekend? I don't bet. I bet if you had the right odds, you would. Not to mention, you know, I had seven heated games of Texas Hold'em on seven different websites for real money. Greg is ruled by his desires, and he is swayed 
one way or the other, depending on what he is feeling in is going to be the most fun or gratifying in any given situation. So let's dive into the sackle and, and get to know him better so that we can recognize when we might be slipping in to this foolish strategy ourselves. The first thing that is that the sackle has a reckless, blind desire for fun or gratification. Jeremiah 5.21 says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. The Hebrew word for fool, for foolish here is, is the sackle. And this verse is describing the ability of a sackle to lock onto their desire and to not see or hear anything that's contrary to what they are pursuing, what they want. It's like the sackles have horse blinders on or horse blinkers. They're, they're called the same thing. Horse blinders are used in, in many ways to train a horse. Uh, they're used in horse racing. They're used to train a horse to um, be uh, strapped to a carriage, like a carriage ride. And what they are is they block the peripheral vision of the horse so that they can only see in front of them. They're not spooked by anything out of the sides of their vision. This is a picture of the sac- what the sackle fool does. They get locked onto their desire, and they can only see that. Not warnings from friends, like the bug's life, where his friends try to tell him, don't look at the light. They don't, they don't hear that. They don't see any of the consequences that are coming their way. Many addicts are funway fools, drugs, alcohol, partying, gambling, video gamers, extreme sports can all gain the attention of the funway fool. And again, they just get locked onto that desire. And it's not a good one. It's not healthy for them, but they have to gratify it. The committed sackles, they go from desire to desire to desire, recklessly pursuing them. And everyone knows they are extremely stupid. Ecclesiastes 10.3 says, Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. What this verse is describing is, is the reputation of the sackle. It's saying that they even lack sense in just walking down the road. They can't do a simple thing without revealing that they are a fool. If this fool was an animal, it would be the dodo bird. Dodo birds are extinct. They um, lived several hundred years ago on an island of Maritania. Not sure if I said that right, but they were a large flightless bird, good for good for eating. And apparently, they were really good to eat because what the dodo bird would do is they would walk up to an islander and just let them club them to death. And then the islanders would eat them. And they ate them so much, they're, they're extinct now. You see, sackles are going to sackle. They must get what they desire. They are more opportunists than planners. They, they aren't going to make a long-term plan, but like that verse was talking about, walking down the road, as they're walking down the road, If an opportunity comes to steal to get what they want, they'll do it. Or as they're walking down the road, if an opportunity for immorality comes up, 
they might take it if that's their desire. The sackle is also a big talker about the future. Ecclesiastes 10.14 says, A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? These fools have big ideas for the future. They can tell you this, what's going to happen, how it's going to work out for them, and they, they've got lots of ideas about what's going to be good. They multiply their words and keep talking and talking, though no one knows what is to be. That's God's realm. God knows what the future holds, not any man, yet they talk like they know what's going to happen. So if somebody comes to you with a surefire investment, if you give me a thousand, then I'll make it five thousand in four weeks. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it probably is. And if that person's a sackle, they're just using you to get what they want, their desire of more money or power or whatever it is. God is the only one who knows the future. So we have to be careful not to entrust people who are telling us what they think is going to be in the future. Sackles can be very Gregorious, like Greg was in the movie, in the the station. He looked like a fun guy to be around, right? He was always making what they were working on fun, and it, it looked good. But as soon as they lock on to what they think is fun, and the responsibility that they, you have for them is not in that, then they're gone. And so the fun way can be a lot of fun to be around until you have to count on them. And they can't be counted on. They're going to abandon their responsibilities for whatever it is that they desire. And they ultimately end up living a deprived life. Jeremiah 5.25 says, Your iniquities have turned these away and your sins have kept good from you. How sad is this declaration in Jeremiah 5.25? The sins of the sackle keep bringing consequences. It it keeps good from them. And they don't learn from the consequences. They don't turn from their ways. They just move to the next desire and the next desire and the next one. And they keep doing it until they're just stuck in this cycle of, of destruction in their lives, not listening to any of the advice that they're getting, but just focusing on how to, how to gratify it themselves again and again and again. First Chronicles 21, uh, 1 through 17 is a story of King David, and it helps us to see what this, this cycle that the sackle can get into uh, looks like. So we're going to read it uh, together, not all of it, but most of it, and take a look at what we can learn from it so that we don't get stuck into this, uh, this sackle cycle. Uh, the first verse in chapter 21 of First Chronicles says, Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. Now that's quite the introduction, right, to this story. Satan is tempting King David to take a census of those in Israel. He's tempting King David to trust in what he can see, to trust in the number of his men rather than the Lord. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Go number Israel, 
from Beersheba to Dan, and bring me a report that I may know their number. But Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not, my lord, the king, all, all of them, my lord's servants? Why then should my lord require this? Why should it be a case, a cause of guilt for Israel? Joab knows that David should not do this, and he's trying to stop him. But David is not listening. The blinders are up. But the king's word prevailed against Joab. So Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. Joab counted, there's about 1.1 million uh, Israelite men who were able to fight. And look what happens in verse 7. But God was displeased with this thing. And he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing, but now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. The word for foolishly there is sackle. And something we need to keep in mind here as we read this about David is that he wasn't a committed sackle. He was at one point described as a man after God's own heart. This story of David reminds us that we are all capable of sackling. We're all capable of getting locked onto a desire of something we really want and making foolish decisions. David locked onto this desire that was contrary to God's ways, and then he experienced Extreme, extreme consequences. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell. As a result of David's desire to count the number of men, to trust in the numbers, 70,000 of Israel's men fell. This is what happens in the sackle cycle. Someone makes an, an error in judgment. David chose to count the men, and thus he, he was sackling, as it says in verse 8. Then that person is unrelenting to achieve that goal or desire. David set a, a course to count his men, and he, he was unrelenting. He was pushing to get that done, to make that happen. And then after while they're unrelenting to achieve that that goal and that desire they're blind to the consequences joab knew it was wrong he was warning king david but king david would not listen to him he would not take into account the warnings he was hearing and he kept on going for it and then he experiences devastating consequences 70,000 of David's men died. Just terrible, devastating consequence. Think of the families that were impacted by this folly that he committed. Now, this is the cycle that the committed sackles experience over and over 
and over again. They experience the consequences, but then they just move right again to the next error in judgment and start the cycle over again. The cycle is actually known to have a shorter lifespan because ultimately their folly kills them because they don't repent from the uh, devastating consequences that they're experiencing. So it just gets worse and worse and worse for them. But David doesn't get stuck in this cycle. Look at what happens in verse 17. And David said to God, was it not I who gave command to number the people? Is it, it is I who have sinned and done great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house. But do not let the, pl- the plague be on your people. David takes responsibility for his actions before God and he repents. The key tool of the sackle is denial. The committed sackle would deny that they are responsible for these consequences or, or they would just deny that they're that big of a deal and just keep moving forward. That is why it is so hard to help these types of fools. God's desires for the consequences we experience in life to turn us back to him. And David turned back to God, repenting of his foolishness. David gave us this example, and we can look to the Bible for other ways to move beyond the fun way fool. And let's take a look at that. The first thing that we need to do to move beyond the fun way fool is to let God's grace motivate self-control. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared. Now this grace, it appeared in Jesus. That's who the grace of God appeared. So let's read it again. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. God's grace is the motivation that can lead us out of the fun way fool of folly. Here we see, for for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. God's grace is what brings salvation for all people. This is a very important thing for us to understand because there can be a common misconception that Christians at church have it all together. I think this is a common misconception or misunderstanding about the church. I think it's a strategy of the enemy to keep people away because they think, oh, I'm not going to fit in there or I'm not going to, I'm not going to be accepted or, or whatever it may be. But the thing is, the opposite is actually true about people in the church. We are all sinners saved by God's grace. God's grace, what it is, is undeserved favor before God. We all deserve eternal separation from God in hell. But for those who commit their life to Christ, what they have what they how they do that is found in Romans 10:9 it says if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is what gives people the power to change. The power to get out of this blind desire folly. The assumption that is found in the Bible is that we all need training to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. We all need this training because of our sad hearts. And that is what God will do for us. He will work with us. He will train us. He will give us the power through his grace and his grace alone to have victory over foolishness so that we can live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It is out of gratitude for what God has done for us, saving us from the pits of hell that we deserved, sacrificing his son for our sins. It's out of that gratitude to God for what he's done that we can live self-controlled lives instead of being dominated by our desires. God's grace is how we can move beyond the fun way fool. And another way that helps us to move beyond the fun way fool is to focus on faithfulness, not feelings. First Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. I don't know if you've seen this phrase. It says, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, we can change that to say faithfulness doesn't care about your feelings. Sometimes we don't feel like doing what we know we ought to do. The thing with faithfulness is, though, it doesn't care how you're feeling in that moment. We can make excuses of how we don't feel good or just we, we don't want to do something. But the, at the end of the day, the question is, did you do it or not? Were you faithful or were you not? Faithfulness doesn't care about our feelings. Working hard and being responsible just doesn't feel good sometimes. In the mundane of life, it can, it can actually feel like we're missing out on the fun by being responsible. You ever felt that way? But steady, faithful living draws the respect of others, and it really honors God, and it leads to a good life. Ask God to help you enjoy your life. The Bible says that enjoying our work is a gift from God. We can actually get to the point where we enjoy it. And I, I don't know about you, but that sounds good because work is going to be most of the time that we spend. So let's ask God that we can enjoy our work and, and be faithful. One last thing to help move beyond the fun way is become a person of good judgment. Key, a key problem with the sackle is that they make poor choices because they're overcome with their desire for whatever it is. They just have really poor judgment. 
Hebrews 5.14 shows us how to get beyond that and how to develop good judgment. It says, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We have to develop the ability to distinguish good from evil. One way to, to start to develop discernment is to look at a situation and to ask, okay, what, what, would, what does God say about that kind of a situation? Some ways that you can do that is, is look, at, look at a story in the news and ask, what would the Bible say about this situation? Does the outcome or the consequences, does that line up with what the Bible says or does it not? Or maybe you have a hard work situation or a hard situation with your family or whatever it might be. There's something hard going on in your life. Ask a friend who knows more about the Bible than you to go out to coffee or to, to a meal and and explain the situation. Say, what do you think the Bible says about this? What would God want me to do in this situation? Discernment, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of learning from the Bible and applying it to situations. Now, I want to make something clear. I'm not against fun. CIV is not against fun. God is not against fun. God wants us to enjoy our life. 1 Timothy 6:17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy what he has provided for us. The blind desire of the sackle is not what he wants for us. That's going to lead to pain and destruction in our lives, damaged relationships, and just a life of, of pain. God's grace leads us away from this folly. Let's lean into his grace and take a next step with God based on what he's been speaking to us this morning. Here's some suggested next steps you might want to take in response to the message this morning. The first is to accept God's grace and commit my life to follow him for the first time. If you haven't gotten to the point yet where you've confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you haven't gotten to that point yet, do it today. Commit to follow Jesus. And please let us know on the connection card. We'd love to reach out to you and help you with some resources um, so that you can just start off on the right foot with your relationship with God. Another next step is to submit my de desire for fill in the blank to the Lord and choose self-control. Is there some desire that you've just been struggling with? Submit it to God. Ask for his help. Maybe you need to, to tell a friend or talk to a group leader or a pastor and let them know what's going on. And commit to move beyond that desire, remembering God's grace and what he's done for you. And, and trust that God can help you to move beyond it so that it doesn't bring about the destruction in your life that could come from it. And the last next step suggestion is, I will choose faithfulness and fill in the blank this week. Faithfulness doesn't care about your feelings. What's an area where you're just struggling to be faithful in? Write it down. Commit to work on it this week and be faithful 
and watch how God takes care of you as you're faithful in that area. Let's pray and ask God for his help to do this. God, we ask for your help to not fall into temptation to sackle and to just experience consequences that could really impact the rest of our life. Help us to choose to um, remember your grace and live lives of self-control instead of a lives where we're, ru- we're ruled by our desires. We want to be ruled by you, Lord, so that we can enjoy life and what you provide for us. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.